Hi, welcome to my podcast, On The Grow. I'm Grace Lee. In the last episode, you heard me cover the topic financial self-care with a special guest, Maya Fleming. We discussed how to feel good about money, tips on finding that balance between spending and saving, her biggest tip for financial self-care, and finding ways to earn money that align with your passions and values. If you haven't heard it already, you should definitely check it out. In this episode, I have a conversation with Rena Min, a friend here in New York City, on her experiences with anxiety and depression. She shares how she has been coping during the pandemic, her experiences with anxiety and depression in a relationship, routines and steps that helped her get through it, and overall, bringing awareness to help others understand how to approach someone who has anxiety and or depression. Something I really want to speak more on is awareness in general. Awareness is also listening to other people's stories and trying to understand their experiences. I encourage any of you listening to always be curious and know the importance of learning how to approach topics or situations that may not be comfortable. Just because something isn't talked about as openly doesn't mean it's not important. I think that the more you try to understand and educate yourself, the more you adjust to its discomfort, and it then gives you a better perspective on how to help yourself and those around you. Thanks for joining me to kick off the second episode of the Mental Health Series. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. So we haven't seen each other in probably two years, right? I think since 2018. Yeah, or right before we started recording, I think we were trying to figure out when the date was, and we were talking about Fashion Week, and last time we were out in public and just shooting and stuff. Yeah, that feels long time ago. It was ancient. <laughs> yeah, it really does. So, yeah, trying to figure that out, and just honestly just catching up, too, in general. This entire year has felt like a whirlwind. Yeah, <laughs> to say the least, I think this year has felt like six years long. I know. So honestly, how have you been coping during the pandemic? Well, so, you know, New York, it got really bad and in March. And um, I stayed here for three months and I was going kind of crazy. So the way I coped with it is I got in my car and I drove to LA. <laughs> Wait, you have a car here? I do. I did not know that. One coast to the other. By yourself? No. So I had a friend come with me. Okay. Okay. So that's yeah. a, road, a long road trip. It's yeah. fun. <laughs> yeah, no, it really did get bad in March. I, I remember leaving, actually, in the middle of March. So I was in North Carolina for a couple of months. You left in March? No. So I was here March, April um, through May, because at that time, no one knew how long this was going to be. You know, people thought we were going back to work in June. First, it was six weeks, and then it was a month. You know, it, it just kept extending. Yeah. So I stayed here till the end of May when we got word that we weren't going back into the office for quite a while. Right, and that's when you're like, you know what? I'm just going to pack my bags and go to the <laughs> West Coast. Yeah, I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that, you know, mentally it was hard to be, you know, we're in New York City, so the apartments aren't that big. There's not much to do. It was really bad here. Um, I really need to get out and be in nature for my mental health sake. Mm -hmm. I feel the same way. I think, um, I think because we all feared going outside in general, right. and like you said, New York is such a tight space. Like the only place outside our apartment 
is forbidden almost because of the lockdown. So I really, I see your point with wanting to just kind of escape to nature. And I know we've all been experiencing fear, anger, uncertainty, and not knowing when things are going to open again and if we're going to be able to step outdoors and see people again. So I'm sure that whole move has to have been very difficult for you. Um, yeah, for sure. Um, just because like everyone else, it was very scary. I was trying to be very cautious. Um, I didn't know if I had to stop to get gas, you know, do I really want to touch like I would, I got a bunch of gloves to use or like paper towels. Um, and so it was it was scary, the uncertainty of it all. And then on top of that, choosing to go to the other side of the country was definitely a little terrifying. <laughs> yeah. And what sparked that decision? It just it was so crazy. It so I wanted to go maybe in July or later on in the summer because I thought, okay, this will get a little better then. And so I was asking my friend in LA, do you know of anyone who may have a room open? And literally when I asked her, she was like, I just, my apartment just opened up. We are going to go to Michigan for a month. So if you want, you can move here. But that was June. And to me, it almost felt like things just worked out so well and so perfectly mm -hmm. that I kind of take it as a sign from the universe. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's amazing that your friend was willing to let you do that. Yeah. You know, she didn't want to have to pay double rent either because mm -hmm. she, they were airbnb a place in Michigan for a whole month. And, you know, it can get costly in L.A. as well. And so I was like, I would be happy to, you know, pay rent there while you go there. Right. That makes sense. Um, so you mentioned something about your mental state. Mm. So... Tell me what was going through your mind. Like, how did you feel in these moments? So I think, you know, with uncertainty, people get kind of, there's obviously fear involved. I think I was more excited, to be honest, because I had been in my apartment not doing anything for three months. So it was something to look forward to, which mm -hmm. is something I hadn't done in a while at that point. I would say it was kind of as it went on and on where my mental health kind of, I could see it going downhill a little bit more you know at the beginning of it all it was just so exciting and I was so excited to be somewhere new and travel you know kind of travel mm -hmm. that yeah it was more excitement at the time you know what's so funny now that you say that I was thinking about the time it was in April and you know with the toilet uh, paper frenzy going on and <laughs> no one could find toilet, pa toilet paper I remember our family drove we well we found a place like right the border of South Carolina and North Carolina mm. and we drove there to this one grocery store that had toilet paper and it was like a f road trip and I was so excited to go <laughs> because it was like just getting out of the house right. even though we were just picking up toilet paper and going back <laughs> You're probably excited to get toilet paper that too it's sometimes nice to look forward to something especially you know I'm working from home so doing the same thing every day can get a little bit exhausting I think mm -hmm. and so yeah, just having something to look forward to is really nice. Yeah, and this change of pace, even with work, mm -hmm. going from an office to working from home, mm -hmm. what was that transition like for you? So at first I loved it, because I was like, awesome, <laughs> rolling out of bed five minutes before, you know. So I work in software sales, and so when we love the energy around each other, and you know, that's very important in sales, and so I think that quickly got old for us. like we all miss going to the office. We all miss, you know, I don't, we just miss being around each other. 
it's really hard to do your job when it's just you at home, mm-hmm. at least for my role. No, that makes sense. Like the energy, like you right. really, you thrive off the energy of other people, especially working in sales. And the environment is so important. I think actually that's another reason why I had this talk with a lot of my friends who also work in offices and a lot of them really were struggling mentally mm-hmm. because going from this whole social work life to working from home and barely seeing anyone and just seeing people through a screen made people really feel lonely. So I know a lot of people really battled that and that's probably been a huge adjustment. Um, And since I work from home, I was trying to actually put myself in their shoes, just trying to understand what uh, what their greatest struggle was. And I think just Being aware really during this pandemic has been eye-opening. Are you an introvert? I would say I'm both. Oh, hi. Honestly. So were you just in LA? No, so I did one month in LA. The original plan was I was gonna do one month in LA, one month in Denver, and then head back to New York. Um, But then I ended up kind of extending that. Mm. And so I did One month in LA, two months in Denver, three months in LA, and now I'm back in Denver. Oh my goodness, so you are just all over the place. I am, but I'm being safe, I promise. (laughs) (laughs) Right, but I'm just trying to understand. So that's, first of all, just to move around that much physically has to be a lot on you mentally. How are you able to deal with all of this movement, literally? Yeah, so I think, yeah, it was hard. and it was hard because I was still working East Coast hours. So while I was in LA, I had to be up and ready at 6 a.m. or in Denver at 7 a.m. I think what happened was, and I'm sure that I just kind of ended up on the high of continually looking forward to something. Mm-hmm. And that was my way of like spurts of joy instead of actually dealing with my mental health. You know, you're right. I think a lot of us really strive off of having some sort of hope to cling to especially during these times i think the fear of uncertainty really messes with our minds and our mental state and that's why it's been so hard for a lot of us to cope even though it's not something that's putting pressure on us in any way i think it's us putting pressure on ourselves so just going back to what you were saying with your mental state traveling from different places and just being in different environments did that eventually all hit you and did it eventually all fade? Yeah, so I think, you know, all good things come to an end or <laughs> um, no, but I think once I started to really settle in when I got to Denver, that's kind of when I was no longer riding that high mm-hmm. and reality started to settle in with me. And so I think that's kind of when my anxiety kicked in, when my depression started to really kick in. It also didn't help that I was watching Euphoria yeah. That is a tough show to watch. <laughs> no, it really is. I will agree with you on that. Um, it was very hard to really take that in. Right. And, you know, for some people, I think they can listen to sad music or watch certain things and not be affected by it. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I am not one of those people. Right. And so in the midst of all of that, also watching that show kind of did trigger something. You know, it's it started a downward spiral, I would say. Watching Euphoria, did it trigger some sort of emotion? I don't think that's what it is. I think, well, maybe actually, obviously, yes. But I think what it was is that it 
is a mentally hard show to watch. And for me, I am someone who suppresses a lot of emotions or when things go wrong in my life, I do tend to kind of suppress. Mm -hmm. And so when I feel sad or I watch something that can be triggering, I think it brings up a lot of emotions, not just one. And it could be like nothing was going on in the month that I was watching it, right? Mm -hmm. Um, It wasn't anything specific that happened, but it brought back so many other emotions to light. And then, like, things started happening in life that added on to it, if that kind of makes sense. No, that makes sense. So I'm just trying to, like, take in because for someone who's never – I've never had anxiety, so I don't really know what triggers it or how people feel this way. So I guess this is me really trying to just understand what was going through your mind and what you're actually struggling with because it's one thing to hear it, but it's another thing to actually understand it. So – Tell me a little bit more about like what triggers anxiety or even in your case, like your anxiety. Yeah. So I think, no, I think that's a great point. I think the fact that you want to learn more and, and you know, better understand it is an awesome thing because some people don't even do that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, to them, anxiety is just, oh, this person is nervous about something or depression is right. this person is sad. Um, but it's so much deeper than that. There's so many physical effects, mental, obviously, I think triggers are different for each person. There are different types of anxiety. And so what triggers me may be different for someone else. Mm -hmm. But specifically for me, you know, I don't know if I have something that, you know, in that case triggered my anxiety per se, just watching that brought a lot of like emotion to light. Mm -hmm. And so it was more depression at that point where I just got really sad. Um, Again, nothing was happening. Right. And I think that's just kind of unfortunately how depression and anxiety works. It may not even have a trigger. You just find yourself in this kind of bad place or, you know, in a hard place. And it's not one of those things because I know people sometimes use the word too carelessly. They'll say like, oh, I didn't get to have my Starbucks today. I'm so depressed. Right. So it's not something it's not like a feeling. It doesn't just go away the next day. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I know people, obviously, you said, or oh, I'm so anxious about this, where, right. but I think, I mean, maybe to a certain extent, you are, you know, obviously, if you're not getting your Starbucks, and that's making <laughs> you depressed, then that's something else. <laughs> right. But um, it's just so much more than that. And again, depression and anxiety looks different on so many people. But oftentimes, you know, I find myself like for me, personally, from my experience, if I'm depressed, then I am very, like apathetic. Um, Mm -hmm. Sometimes I'll kind of start to dissociate. And so, yeah, I think it just looks so different for everyone. But that's simply for me. I don't just lay in bed for days where some people do go through that. And it's, you know, really sad where they can't get up, you know, or can't do anything. For me, it's kind of the opposite where I'm just going, going, going. And I think that is a thing. You know, depression can have, you can have the kind where you're laying in bed all day. But you also, on the flip side, can just keep yourself busy constantly to, like, not think about it. And I think I was on the latter end of that. Right. So did you eventually burn out from that because you're constantly going and going? No, I think I'm still going. (laughs) Um, I did. I I don't know. I think I spread myself thin. I do have I naturally just have a lot of energy. Mm -hmm. Um, And I am, you know, I technically am still kind of going. Um, But, yeah, I don't think I felt burnt out. Okay. Well, now this makes me really curious because how did you, how did you know that you were actually depressed? 
And I guess I'm going back to the starting point of when mm. you realized you had anxiety and depression. Yeah, I think I've always been kind of an anxious person. I just didn't know that's what it was. Mm -hmm. um, I think it probably happened when I was in college. There was a period where I lost a couple of friends back to back. And so I was going, you know, to their funerals. And that was really hard. And I knew I was really upset about it. But then a year or two later, um, one of like my closer friend had passed away and got killed in a car accident. And I think that's when I realized that I think that's when it kind of started it all or really showed itself. Mm -hmm. um, and I knew that because I was having panic attacks or anxiety attacks. Um, I wasn't sleeping. Um, yeah, I wasn't sleeping. I was just having such a hard time. I just was like sad all the time. Um, and I was taking summer classes and it was, it was like organic chemistry or something. So I was kept pretty busy. Mm -hmm. So a lot of it was once again, suppressed, but yeah, I think that was the summer that I kind of was like, oh, this is probably something that I'm dealing with. Right. So for someone like me, you know, someone who's never experienced anxiety, how, how can I detect it? Is there a way for me to just at least be aware of the people around me who may be experiencing anxiety? Yeah, um, that's a really good question. I think it's hard to, like, again, because it looks so different, I think that it's going to take a personal conversation with your friends or, you know, people close to you. So asking them if, if you feel like they seem tense or something, you know, just asking them, hey, is everything okay? Um, mm -hmm. And then when they let you know that, you know, I'm just very anxious or I've been depressed, you know, asking them, what can I do to help you? You know, what can I do when you're feeling certain ways? Like, what are your triggers? I think discussing that with each person one-to-one -one, because it does look different for everybody. So it's not like a set of, okay, if these boxes check, then that person is depressed and I need to like give them attention. Right. Okay. That makes sense. And it really is just trying to be understanding of other people. I think just hearing people, especially with, again, everything happening this year, there's a lot of overwhelming things on all parties. So just having more conversations and communicating. Yeah, I think especially with quarantine, it's important to check in on people because it's, it's oftentimes, you know, I'm a pretty outgoing, you know, love to have a good time person and I do keep things to myself. So a lot of times you don't even know if somebody's going through anything like that. And so I think that's kind of, it's important for us, especially now, but always to kind of check in on each other. Mm -hmm. Even if you think someone has their life together or, you know, people look at me and they're like, you're traveling all the time. You are living the best life. But mm -hmm. really, I've just been very depressed for four months. <laughs> right. You know? And wow. so you just can't believe what you see on social media. You can't judge someone. You just got to like ask them. So it really is, like I said, reaching out, communicating, mm -hmm. first and foremost. So I know a lot of people are struggling with their mental health right now, especially this year. So you mentioned the past four months have been really rough for you. Do you mind sharing more about that? Yeah. Um, like I said, I watched Euphoria. That was the beginning of it all. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then um, I think I got to a low mental place and then I ended up you know, putting, I had a five-year relationship that I ended up having to put on pause at the time because for me, it was like, A, we were in different time zones, but not only that, like I didn't have the energy to even take care of myself. Like that was not something I was doing and it felt very unfair for me to give energy to someone else. Mm -hmm. You know, that may, I guess, sound selfish, but, you know, we both talked about it and realized, yeah, we could both take time to 
kind of take care of our own self, take care of our mental health, focus on us. Mm -hmm. And so that was obviously really hard um, being together for five years and then coming to a close on that. Right. Um, And then, you know, from there it was like, it felt like every month it was something, right? So then I don't normally talk about depression or my anxiety. I think a lot of people who do don't because like for me personally, I feel like I'm being a burden to someone. Or mm. people are just going to say, oh, she's like a Debbie Downer or, you know, they'll yeah. they'll say certain things. And so I try not to talk about it. And it had gotten to such a low point that I was talking to some of my closer friends about it. And that ended up backfiring because they didn't really know what to do. Right. Um, and they told me that they were like, we don't know how to handle this. Wait, they asked you they don't know how to handle this versus they don't know how to help. It was more so that they kind of a few other things had happened. But I think, you know they slowly kind of start to back off a little bit and you know that's fair like they felt like we don't know how to deal with this situation mm-hmm. um and that is fair because i was drinking more and so that was scary for them you know drinking and driving and whatnot and so i think i was just being very very reckless okay and that's kind of what my depression looks like i get into these like reckless going going phases uh-huh and so then like it was one thing after another like that happened and then even things that like to me looking back now look so minor but when things start to snowball and you're already feeling so low it feels like these minor things feel very heavy mm-hmm. so then like my car for example my transmission went out so I had to buy a new transmission that was like of course like another thing you know because that it was not cheap and not what I was expecting to do and then like my grandmother ended up passing away and so that I think was the heightened of it all and since that moment, I feel like when things happen now, I'm kind of become numb to it, if that makes sense. Because you're experiencing so much pain over and over and over again, it becomes right. familiar. Whether it was minor or major, you know, whether it was something small like, I mean, car transmission, at the end of the day, it's like I'm grateful to be able to have a car and whatnot. And so, yeah, yeah, I just think I was so exhausted by everything. Like I was already starting at a low point and then things just kept getting like lower and lower every month. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. So things piling up for you. So it's not just like one big splash and that's it. It it like slowly started to progress and progress. And like you just mentioned, it became so familiar. You, you became numb to it. And then, and then what happened? Yeah. So the cherry on top was kind of when my grandmother passed away. Um, and that was especially hard because she is over in Korea. So it was, I couldn't go to the funeral. Um, And so then the next month, um, my one of somebody really close to me had gotten into a car wreck with her baby in the car. Like, thank God the baby was okay, but she was in ICU. And it was, when I even got that news, I like felt nothing. Like I did feel very sad, Mm -hmm. but at that point it was just, I was so, it was almost like a, of course, like another, you know, another thing yeah. <laughs> which is again like I am a typically a positive person but I think I felt so beaten down at that point yeah. that um yeah wow because I've known you you know Rena ever since I met you you've <laughs> always been this like bubbly happy outgoing person and that's right. what I've always seen you as and just I guess hearing you say this it just like I don't know I just Ooh, I'm like getting a little chilly. Um, no. Yeah, and I am. And I think that's part yeah. of like me suppressing it. Like even when right. my grandmother passed away, I didn't tell my roommate. I didn't talk about it with anybody. Like I didn't cry in front of anybody. I didn't. And that is how a very unhealthy way that I deal with things. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and since then it's just you know about a month ago I was like no okay I really should probably get a therapist which is what I 100% recommend whether you have are dealing with mental health you have a stressful day like even if you have nothing I do think therapists are awesome but yeah I mean I am I try to keep a upbeat I'm normally a happy person yeah and I'm not I'm not discounting that you are just like I'm just trying to you know understand how how this affects you mentally and like you just said getting a therapist was that the next step after your grandma's funeral no so that my grandmother passed away at the end of September and then like for me I just I don't think I ever grieved that and that was the reason why I decided to get a therapist um, Mm -hmm. because I realized that I was starting to feel better, but I think I was starting to feel better because I was going running by the ocean or, you know, I had an awesome roommate at the time. Um, It was never because I addressed and handled what I was going through. I just, once again, just was going, going, going. Mm -hmm. And so I think I noticed though there were, you know, within the last month, I noticed that there'd be times if I like saw her picture or try to think of her, like I would start getting very like panicky and anxiety. And that's kind of when I realized, like, oh, I've not even begun to grieve this process, let alone, like, anything else that I have been going through, you know? Um, And so I think that's when I was like, okay, I should probably get a therapist. So you were basically escaping it for so long. Yeah, yeah. And I think that is just naturally kind of, because I don't ever want to, like, come across as being, like, sad or anything to other people, I am a big... um, like suppressor of my feelings. I don't show emotions very much to other people. Mm-hmm. You know, this is interesting because I've always, growing up, I've always seen emotions as a sign of weakness. Right. I remember even like in high school or college, I didn't dare cry in front of anyone or like show anger or like I would always be some stoic, happy, calm person because mm-hmm. if I showed any sign of anything other than that, It meant that I wasn't strong enough. Mm -hmm. So I understand what you mean by that as like suppressing your emotions. But just like you said, I think that builds up and Mm -hmm. you just explode like a (laughs) volcano at one point because you're holding back something that we as humans, we we need to let out um, and and feel things. (laughs) Right. So makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I think I mean, it is it's healthy to cry. Um, and you know, these are all things like, it's like, I know it's healthy to cry. I know it's like healthy to talk about your emotions, but maybe it's part of like not wanting to come off weak. I'm not sure exactly what it is. I just Mm -hmm. don't think I almost feel like a burden to people. And that could be kind of the anxiety part of me talking where it's, I get anxious and I, so yeah, I try not to do it. I don't want to make other people feel uncomfortable. Right. No, I understand the burden aspect now that you say that because it's like you always want to take care of other people you want to always make sure other people are happy but then you forget that you need to also take care of yourself right and And by doing that it's by talking about it right and that has been I think the big thing this year is that everyone or you know is going through some sort of not mental illness but we are dealing with a lot you know with the pandemic the election just everything Mm -hmm. and uncertainty people are starting to get lonely and I think that yeah, people do forget to take care of themselves. But I think this year, it's been surfaced a lot. um, And I'm glad to see it more like on social media where people are promoting self care and self love. And because I do think it's very important. Absolutely. I agree with you. Question. So you mentioned that 
you broke off your five-year relationship Hmm. with someone was that purely because of the state you were in or was that due to something else no so i think you know we were in a really good place like i wouldn't say anything had happened i Mm -hmm. think it was just strictly me realizing that i was going into my depression and i hadn't felt that in such a long time um that a it kind of felt unfair to my partner um right and b you know like i said i it's it is yeah it's just kind of unfair for me or in my opinion to have someone when i can't give them the attention that i do think that they deserve right you guys are in a partnership and so yeah i think that was it wasn't like anything else that had happened it was just my mental health (laughs) right was your partner aware of your mental health in the relationship yes so very good about it um always has been my anxiety was blossoming in the beginning of our relationship Mm -hmm. and so you know i think that she was very gentle about it and very good about it and i think that's very important when you do date right Mm -hmm. um i think if you are someone who deals with some sort of mental illness like at least for me it's important that my partner understands what my triggers are um how to help when they can or if they can but just in general it's I, i think it's very important that they know what that looks like and it's not just you being sad Um, right and i was lucky enough where like yeah you know she's super understanding of it but i think that's very important when it comes to a relationship i absolutely agree i mean a relationship is a two-way street you know obviously communication is key yeah communication is definitely key um and i think that shows like we had a pretty strong communication i think uh, and being able to talk to them that's why i say being able to talk about hey like this is how i'm feeling right now and i think that it might be best for my mental my mentality to just kind of put things on pause for a minute and she felt the same way so I think being able to communicate that and not being able to not being scared to talk about that with your partner is also super important right um and having your partner understand and be there for you because I have seen relationships where one person has severe anxiety and then their partner doesn't know what to do about it or how to handle it and then they end up fighting and not realizing the things that one person's saying is just heightening the other person's anxiety and Mm. you know it's like you have to be able to understand each other obviously that that's how you are um, compatible with someone is being able to handle each other's differences i'm sure a lot of a lot of people have learned a lot about their partners this year during quarantine oh man (laughs) being stuck with their significant other i'm sure and i'm sure there are so many you know couples who can relate to this situation where Mm -hmm. you know where they may be thinking oh either my partner's so great at being comforting and good for me or my partner is terrible at it and they're just not realizing that that's what it is <laughs> right and maybe this will strengthen that bond <laughs> by facing the situation that a lot of people have just put aside right and Thanks, i'm quarantine <laughs> <laughs> and for some people they don't even know that they may have anxiety and that's what it is right and then their partner makes them feel like they're kind of just being annoying and at the end of the day, it's maybe that's not them being annoying or, you know, in our relationship, like I'm in the beginning, I was repetitive with things. Mm -hmm. So that's part of anxiety. For me, what that looked like was I would just get really anxious and like, I would need constant reassurance. But like, I realized that I was repeating myself a lot. So asking like similar questions that I already know the answer to just because I needed that like reassurance. And um, like I said, luckily, like, 
she could spot that but for some people if you can't then it's just like why are you asking me that again like you I already told you that's so annoying right okay <laughs> yeah no I totally get that um and just to I guess wrap up first of all thank you for sharing your story I had no idea that you were going through something like that and I know it hasn't been easy and I'm sure it's still not easy going through it but thank you for being vulnerable and sharing that with me yeah of course um, audience. <laughs> of course I am always happy to talk about my experiences if it will help other people I think just kind of trying to see the glass half full and trying to better yourself and you know and work on things that are going to make you a better person and not looking back being like oh I messed up or did this so many times just trying to better yourself as a human being is probably a good start yeah and for someone maybe who is listening to this and actually feeling the same ways that you do now or feeling the same ways you did mm -hmm. what advice would you give to that person listening right now yeah so I would say maybe there are two parts to it right um definitely cry <laughs> it's mm -hmm. probably and you know talk to someone but um there's always those you just have to take care of yourself day by day i always say look at it one day at a time kind of feel your emotions see what how you're feeling you know part of me is also yes if you need a day off or you need a couple days off from work or you just need to take a break take that break on the flip side i had to force myself i almost had to fake it till i make it so it was if i was really upset or i was having i woke up and it was just not a good day I wouldn't sit there and just blast sad music all day. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have, don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. But um, I tried to go and get on a, go on a run, go walk around, listen to happy music, doing something, I guess, that you it doesn't feel comfortable and it's not something you want to do at the time, right? Like nobody wants to go work out. Like you run all the time, Grace, and it's <laughs> not something you wake up and you're like, yes, I cannot wait to go run 10 miles today, right? Like it's something you do. Yeah. And sometimes you do have to force Routinely. yourself to do certain things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but other times you do need to kind of feel it out. But I think just knowing at the end of the day that just A, take it one day at a time and it's it's going to get eventually better. You know, right. I don't know if you guys have seen Bridesmaid, but I love the quote where once you hit rock bottom, the only way to go is up. So so true that's how I feel about 2020 you know, yeah we've already hit rock bottom um no I love that I like that a lot and for anyone wanting to reach out to you how can they find you you know feel free to obviously reach out on Instagram I'm happy to share more or you know share any tips that I've that's helped me you can reach me at who needs min um that's m-i-n well thank you Rena for joining me thank you Grace Stay tuned and keep listening to the next episode in the series with a special guest who will be covering battling and overcoming an Adderall addiction, her experiences of seeking professional help and guidance, and a discussion on addiction and what that mentally entails. Thanks for tuning in!